This morning we're continuing our series on growing in discernment. Growing in discernment. And so I would invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. This is Paul's prayer for the Philippian believers. And in verses 9 through 11, Paul has been praying for discernment. His prayer for the Philippian believers is for discernment. And so this morning we come to part three of this series on growing in discernment. And just to give you a heads up up front, this is going to be more like a Bible study this morning as we're going to work our way through some different passages in Scripture. But let me remind you of Paul's prayer for the Philippian believers beginning in verse 9. Follow along in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9 as I read our passage for us. Paul says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul's prayer is that the Philippian believers' love may abound still more and more. That their love would grow more and more. And that as their love is growing more and more, that their love would grow in, in real knowledge and all discernment. We talked about how true love comes from real knowledge and all discernment. The Philippian believers had not arrived yet. There was still growth to be done in their hearts. There was still more growing for them to do. And Paul knew that as he prays for them that they would grow in their love in all knowledge and discernment. Prayer was that they would grow in love, and as they're growing in love, that they would be rooted in knowledge, that they would be grounded in discernment. And then the outcome of that growth then would be that they would approve the things that are excellent. We see that there in verse 10. So that you may approve the things that are excellent. Paul's prayer for them is that they would become discerning believers. That's what a, a discerning person does. A discerning person is one who approves the things that are excellent. The discerning person is able to draw a conclusion about something based upon the testing or the examination of it and then come to a right conclusion. They're able then to come to a conclusion and understand the difference between what is excellent and what is not. Or as we've said, a discerning person is able to separate out truth from error. That's what discerning people do. They separate truth from error. And that was Paul's prayer in his heart for the Philippian believers. His prayer was that they would grow in this. And he knew that this was something that people are able to grow in. You and I are able to grow in love and we're able to grow in knowledge and we're able to grow in discernment. That's his prayer for them, that they would grow in this. But Paul also knew that it took time. It took time. It took practice for them. He knew that you don't 
wake up one morning and become the most discerning person in the world. (laughs) It's not how it works. There's a, a skill that needs to be learned and practiced. There needs to be growth and training in discernment. It'd be like a guy who wakes up one morning and because he played football in high school and has a little bit of knowledge about the game, he thinks he can go and make it in the NFL. He might have some knowledge of the game. He might have some skill in the game, but he's not ready to play in the NFL. He has not arrived. He doesn't have the knowledge, the skill, and the practice that those other players have. The same is true with discernment. You don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden become the most discerning person in the world. That's not how it works. You can become a discerning person, but it takes time. It takes growth. It takes practice. One commentator says this, We cannot gain discernment overnight. Discernment will come only as we train our minds to be understanding in the truth of God's Word and learn to apply that truth skillfully to our lives. Discernment takes time. It takes dedication. And it takes practice. It's a skill that we must learn and continually grow in. And it's something that once you have it, once you have discernment, don't let go of it. You can't let go of it. But sadly, there are people today who let go of discernment. They gain discernment and then they let it go. There are people who become less discerning in our churches because they want to go with the current of the culture. They want to go the way of the world. They'll begin to elevate love over truth. Or unity over sound doctrine. Or tolerance. Instead of convictions that are based upon the truth. And when this happens, they then lose the ability to be able to discern Because they put all of those other things above the truth. God has given us His Word and He commands us to guard the truth. To guard the truth. To learn the truth and to guard it. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.20, Oh Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Guard the truth. That's what has been entrusted to him. Paul has entrusted the truth to his son in the faith, Timothy. He's given the truth to him. He's trained him up in the truth. Timothy also had his grandmother and his mother who trained him up in the truth. And Paul's command to Timothy is, now you must guard that. Protect it. Don't let it go. So we must not only grow in the truth, but we must also guard the truth. And we talked a little bit about that last week as we talked about what it means to be a discerning person. If you remember, we worked our way through 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. 
And we said that first, a discerning person is one who examines everything. Who examines everything carefully. The translators added that to help us understand what Paul is talking about there. That you and I must examine everything carefully. That is, you and I must be judges in life. We must be judges and judge everything that comes at us so that we might be discerning. We need to be people who want to know whether something is true or not. Examine what you read. Examine what you listen to. And examine it carefully to see whether or not it lines up with the truth. We must be discerning people who examine everything. Second, a discerning person is one who holds fast to that which is good. A discerning person is one who holds fast to the truth. That means that we embrace it and we defend it. We embrace the truth. That is, we grasp the truth and we cling on to the truth. We are cemented to the truth. And we love the truth. That's what people who embrace the truth are like. They love it. And they cling to it. And they also defend the truth. You and I are called to stand up for the truth. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand up for the truth of God's Word and protect it. Guard it and protect it just as Paul had told Timothy that he must guard what has been entrusted to him. That is what you and I are called to do. To hold fast to the truth. To guard it and protect it. Third, a discerning person is one who abstains from every form of evil. That literally means to shun that which is not true. To shun it. To stay away from every form of evil. We are called to expose it. And once it is exposed, then you actively stay away from it. You shine a light on it with the light of the Word, the Word of truth. And then once you realize that it is evil, that it's a lie, that it is not true, then you reject it. You shun it and you stay away from it. That's what discerning people do. That's what a discerning person looks like. They examine everything, they hold fast to that which is good, and they abstain from every form of evil. But how do you become a discerning person like this? How do you become a discerning person like this? Or we can ask the question, how can I become a discerning person? If this is what Scripture calls us to be, how can I become this person? Well, this morning I want to give you seven principles. Seven principles to becoming a discerning person. But before I get into these seven principles, let me just give you a qualification for discernment. A qualification, which is the biggest qualification for becoming a discerning person. And that is this. In order to be a truly discerning person, you must first be saved. You must be saved. You must be a child of God. 
You must have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. You must be born again. Because if you remember what I told you before from 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says this, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them. He cannot. What he's saying there is it's impossible for that person to understand the truth of God's Word. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The natural man, the unbeliever, cannot understand the truth of God's Word. Because they don't know God. They don't know Him. Their heart hasn't been changed. Their heart is dead in their trespasses and sin. It's not alive. It's not living. It's not alive to receive the truth of God's Word. Jesus said this to the Jews in, in John 8, 43. He says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You cannot. Now, these Jews are standing there right in front of him, right? Listening to all the things that Jesus is saying and teaching. And what does Jesus say to them? You cannot hear my words. Your heart is dead. Your heart is hard. And you cannot listen and take in the truth that I am giving to you. It's like you have earmuffs on. And you won't take the truth in. He goes on and he tells him, you are of your father the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. You are of the devil. Unbelievers are children of the devil and they don't want to receive the truth because there is no truth in him. He goes on and he says, whenever he, the devil, speaks, he speaks a lie and he speaks from his own nature for he's a liar and the father of lies. The natural man, the unbeliever, is of the devil. He is their father and they listen to him. And so they cannot become discerning because they cannot understand the truth. They don't know it and they don't want it. And they can't understand it. They're, they aren't able to separate out truth from error. They aren't able to understand true theology. And therefore, they're not then able to put the truth into action. Because they don't have it. But believers can. Believers can. We can understand the truth because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who reveals the truth to us through His Word. You and I are able to become discerning people. We have, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Where is that found? Right here. In the pages of Scripture, we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God and we have His truth. Which means that you and I can become discerning people. Jay Adams says this. He says, no matter how bad your condition today, if you are a genuine believer, the Spirit of God dwells in you and that is all you need to begin to change. 
You have everything that you need to become a discerning person. You have it all. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you who is able to teach you and lead you to the truth. John 14, 17, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. And so if we have the Spirit of truth dwelling inside of us, then you and I have the ability to learn and to practice discernment. So how then do we as believers become discerning? Well, let me give you principle number one. The first principle in becoming discerning is that you must be humble. You must be humble. Turn over in your Bibles to Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs is a book that is filled with wisdom. Wisdom as Solomon is giving his son wisdom. And in Proverbs 11, verse 2, Solomon says this, When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. Notice the contrast here between the proud person and the humble person. Between the proud person and the humble person. The word for pride here means presumptuousness or overconfidence in the Hebrew. Overconfidence. That is the person who is confident in themselves and in their own abilities. That's the, that's the prideful person. The proud person. is the one who is confident in themselves and in their own abilities. But notice what will follow that person. What will follow the, the proud person? What does Solomon tell us there? Dishonor. Dishonor will follow him. But notice the humble. The humble person is the one who finds wisdom. The word for humble in the Hebrew is only found here. And as one commentator says, it describes one with a submissive, modest spirit before both God and man. A submissive, modest spirit. The, the verbal form of this word is found in Micah 6, 8, where it says this, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. That's what God has called us to do. To walk humbly with Him. In order to be a discerning person, you must be a humble person. If you have confidence in yourself, your heart will lead you in all kinds of different directions. Why? Because your heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? If you begin to trust in your own heart, you will become an undiscerning person. Why? 
Because you will turn away from the truth of God's word and begin to set your heart up as the standard of truth. All of a sudden you take this and you move this down here and you put your heart up here. And you'll say, oh, don't worry, God, I've got it. Don't worry, God, I understand the truth. God says, no, your heart is more deceitful than all else. You must rely upon me. Humble yourself and rely upon me. But if you rely upon your own heart that will lead you down a path of reliance upon feelings and emotions that will steer you away from the truth. But the humble person is one who realizes that their own heart is prone to wander. Just as the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tells us, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Robert Robinson, the the pastor who wrote that amazing hymn, he was an honest man and he was a humble man as he wrote those lyrics. He knew that he couldn't trust in his own heart. He knew, my heart is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I can't follow after my own heart because that is what my own heart is prone to do. God, I need you. I need your truth. I need to be fixed upon you and you alone. Because if I follow after me, I will lead me away from you, O God. He was a humble man. A humble person realizes that they cannot rely upon their own heart, upon their own feelings and their own emotions because they will lead them astray. A humble person is one who also realizes that the truth is not found in themselves. Truth is not found in themselves, but truth is found outside of you. You hear that all the time. Well, well, this is my truth. Or, well, that's your truth. No, the truth is truth, and you and I cannot change it. And it's not found inside of us. We don't gain truth from inside of us. It does not come from our own hearts. That is not where we search to find truth. We don't go search our own hearts. Because truth is found outside of us. Where is truth found? In the Word of God. That's where we find the truth. Truth is found outside of us. But we must humble ourselves and put our own hearts aside and seek out the truth as it is found in God's Word. You want to be a discerning person The way that you begin to become a discerning person is you must humble yourself. Humble yourself. Which leads to our second principle. Principle number two in becoming a discerning person is that we must have a desire for discernment. 
We must have a desire for discernment. In order to become discerning, you must not only be humble, but you also must have a desire for it. And these two go hand in hand. Because it is the humble person who will then desire discernment. Because they'll realize, I don't have it, but I need it, and I want it. The proud person won't. The proud person will never desire discernment because they think that they have already arrived. The humble person desires discernment. And that's what Solomon wants for his son, to desire discernment. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. As Solomon speaks to his son here, in Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 1, he says this, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Notice how Solomon tells his son in verse 2 that he needs to make his ear attentive to wisdom. Make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. He speaks first of all of the ear there and then to the heart. But notice with the ear there, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Growing up, you may have sung the song, Be careful, little ear, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ear, what you hear. There's a father up above and he's looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ear what you hear. That's essentially what Solomon is singing to his son here. Be careful what you hear. Don't give your ear to foolishness and lies, but give your ear to wisdom. Give your ear to wisdom. One commentator says this, the ear is the pathway of ideas. It must be guarded cautiously. What do you listen to? In order to become a discerning person, you must be one who is listening to wisdom. Listen to the truth so that you can take the truth and plant it into your hearts. But it comes through your ear. Be careful what you listen to. Solomon doesn't stop there though. Notice he says that he must incline his heart to understanding. That word incline there means to extend or to bend it purposefully in a certain direction. To, to bend it purposefully in a certain direction. And why would you bend your heart toward understanding? Why would Solomon command his son, 
exhort his son to bend his heart toward understanding? Why would anyone follow his instructions and do this in their own life? You'll do it because that is what you desire. And you'll only do it if you desire it. You do this with with all kinds of things that you would desire. Think about the things that you desire in your life. Whatever you desire, you will bend your heart or your life toward that desire so that you can then fulfill that desire in your life. We all do it. Every one of us, we do that. Whatever we desire in our own hearts, we will bend our hearts toward that desire and we will begin to pursue after that. We will follow after that. We will do whatever it takes to fulfill that because it's the desire of our heart. We all purposefully extend ourselves to the desires of our heart so that they can be fulfilled. But sadly, Christians don't do this with the Word of God. They don't seek to understand God's Word. As I said a few weeks ago, they're content with the basics of Christianity. With just the basics. Repentance of sin. Faith in Christ alone. I'm a Christian. Great. That's all I need. And they're content with that. And there's no desire in their heart to know God more. To know God's word more. But a discerning person will desire understanding. They'll desire to know and understand God's word. Look at verse 3. Solomon continues, For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure... Notice all the words that Solomon uses to show how his son must go after discernment and understanding. Notice what he says there. Cry, lift your voice, seek and search. What are those words they're describing? They're describing a person who has a desire. person who has desire is one who will cry, who will lift their voice, who will seek and who will search out the truth so that they can gain understanding of who God is and what his word says. Solomon is telling his son to desire wisdom, understanding and discernment. Those three words there are all synonyms for the same thing. Seek to be a discerning person. That's what Solomon is telling his son. What's interesting is that earlier in Proverbs 1.20, Solomon says this, Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. What is Solomon saying there? He's saying wisdom is calling out to us all the time. Wisdom is is shouting to us. Here I am. Come and find me. Search me out. Seek me. 
It's calling out to us all the time. But many people never gain wisdom because they have no desire for it. And so they become undiscerning people. But if you desire it, then look at what Solomon says the outcome will be in verse 5 of chapter 2. He says, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. What is that there that he's talking about? The fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God? It's the truth. You'll discover the truth. You'll discern the fear of the Lord and recognize that he is in charge and he has all truth. The truth is found only in him. One commentator describes the fear of the Lord this way. He says, to possess the fear of the Lord is to embrace reality. It describes a biblical worldview. Discern the fear of the Lord and you will have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It means that a person has reached a point in their life where they see through the lens of God's word. That everything that they think about, everything that comes at them, they filter it all through the Word of God. That's what a discerning person does. They look through the lens of the Bible. They look through the lens of the truth and they see life in reality. Because they're looking through the lens of Scripture. Through the lens of the truth. And they then become discerning people. And Solomon says, then you will discover the knowledge of God. You will know God intimately and desire to live according to His truth. You will discover the truth and you will then desire to live the truth out in your life. Because you'll come to know God more intimately. You'll come to know His heart. You'll come to know what the Scripture says about Him. And as you grow in your knowledge of Him, you will then desire to live that out in obedience to Him because you love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in order to be a discerning person, we, not, we must not only become humble, but we must have a desire to be discerning. And we must call out to God for discernment and understanding and desire the truth. Let me give you a third principle. Principle number three. In order to become a discerning person, we must pray for discernment. We must pray for discernment. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you prayed for discernment? We must be people who are praying for discernment as we depend upon God and bow before Him and come humbly before Him and seek to know the truth. Turn over to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. I know that we've been through this a little bit before, but there's some more things that I want to pull out of this passage here, this prayer of Solomon. 
Look at this prayer beginning in verse 6 of 1 Kings 3. Verse 6, then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Notice what Solomon is saying here. He says, look, I have looked to my father and I've seen who my father was. He was a man of what? Truth. He was a man of truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, O God. How did he live that kind of life? Because he sought out the truth. Look at verse 7. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Notice Solomon's prayer here. And notice the humility of Solomon in verse 7. Look at what he says there in verse 7. He says, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. The, the Bible translation says it this way. I am only a young man and am inexperienced. Now, Solomon could have said, all right, God, I'm now king. My father is gone. I'm in charge. Don't worry about this, God. I got it. In fact, God, do you know who my father was? I mean, my father was a man after your own heart. The greatest king in Israel. Don't worry, God. I got it. He could have said that. But notice what he does. He humbles himself before the Lord and realizes he can't do it. He can't rely upon himself. Look at how he even refers to himself at the beginning of verse 8. Notice what he calls himself. Your servant. He says it back up in verse 7 too. Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. And then in verse 8, your servant is in the midst of your people. And verse 9, so give your servant an understanding heart. Solomon acknowledged his dependence upon God by referring to himself as God's servant. Yeah, but you're a king, Solomon. Don't you realize the position that you've gained? You're now king over Israel, over God's people. A servant? He humbled himself before God. And he knew that he could not lead God's people on his own. He knew that he needed God's wisdom to lead God's people. 
And he desired discernment so that he could lead God's people faithfully. So what does he do? Look at verse 9. He prays and he says this, So give your servant an understanding heart. Literally, a hearing heart. We've talked about that before. Give your servant a hearing heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. And what does God do? Notice God's answer to his prayer. Look at verse 10. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God was pleased with Solomon. He was pleased with his humility. And notice verse 11. God said to him, because you've asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I've done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. What does God do here? God answers Solomon's prayer. Solomon prayed for wisdom and discernment. And God granted it to him. God gave him discernment. Why? It was because of the selflessness of Solomon. Because of the selflessness of Solomon. See, there are people in evangelical churches today who are so steeped in modern psychology and self-esteem that all that they think about is themselves. Which means they're not praying people. Because who do they rely upon? Self. They're absorbed with self. When God wants us to be selfless, just as Solomon was. He was completely dependent upon God for discernment and sought God for it, and God gave it to him. And because of the selflessness of Solomon, God also prospers him in riches and honor as well. He says, okay, I'm going to give you discernment. You've asked for it, Solomon, I'll give it to you. Oh, and by the way, because you have not asked for riches and honor, I'm going to give that to you as well. Listen, if we want to grow in discernment, we must pray for it and depend upon God for it. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask God. Seek him for wisdom and discernment. Pray and depend upon God for discernment with a heart of humility and a desire to know God more. 
If you approach God in that manner, watch and see how God will grow you in discernment. If you're going through the Bible reading plan right now, the Bible reading plan, reading through the Bible in a year, on the top of the first page, there's a, a helpful way for you to read God's word every morning. And here's what it says. It says this, step one is to pray. Pray. Pray that God would help you understand his word. As you open your Bible every morning, the first thing that we should do is we should pray. God, help me to understand what I am about to read in your word. Step two, then, is to read it. Read it. Read it for what it says. Read it as, as if the Bible is some magic eight ball. And reading other things into it. Read it like you would read any other book. Literally, what does it have to say? Read it so that you can understand it. And then step three is reflect upon it. Meditate then upon what you have just read. God, take these truths and plant them in my heart that I might know you better. And then step four is to pray. Pray. Pray that God would help you to take His Word and apply it to your life. As we approach the living truth of God's Word, we must come to it on our knees before God, praying, and then we read through it so that we can understand it, and then we pray again so that everything that we do as we're seeking out the truth of God's Word, we are fully and completely dependent upon Him for it all. Pray. Pray before you read and pray after you read. Why? Because prayer shows our dependence upon God. Prayer says, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Don't rely upon yourself. That's what psychologists will tell you. They'll tell you things like, you have the power to do it. You need to build up your self-esteem and your confidence. You can do it. You even hear this from pulpits across America. Be the champion you are today. No, you can't do it. God is telling us, you can't do it on your own. You need me. And Solomon knew this. Solomon knew that he needed God, which is why he prayed to the Lord for discernment. He knew that just like his father David did not depend upon himself to lead Israel, he knew that he needed to depend upon God to lead Israel as well. He needed God's strength. He needed discernment and wisdom from God. And he showed that dependence by praying for discernment. In order for us to grow in discernment and become discerning believers, we must be humble. We must desire discernment. And we must depend upon God for discernment as we pray and ask of it from Him. 
Well, there are four more principles that I want to give you on how you can be a discerning person. But we'll save that for two weeks from now. I would invite you to come back then and we'll talk about the next four. Will you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for the truth that you've given to us in your word. Father, may we be those who seek it out as silver, as gold, knowing that the truth of your word is better than gold. And may we know and understand the truth of your word so that we might live it out in our lives. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us on our own but you've saved us through your Son. And you've given us your word that we might come to know you more. Father, I pray that you would grow us in discernment. And that as we grow in discernment, we would become conformed to the image of Christ. That you, through your living and active word, would mold us and shape us so that we might be those who live in this dark world as lights set upon a hill. That we would be those who would proclaim the truth of your word and that we would live the truth out. All for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>